0: man. Hey, so exciting news. I, uh, I failed to mention it in the first service because we love second service better is really what it is. Um, but our, uh, our student ministry pastor Tyler and his wife Amanda just had a baby boy. Uh, pretty exciting. Caleb James. And so, Uh, Exciting for uh, the chance to meet him. Uh, Immediately when I heard the news, I started FaceTiming Tyler, and then he hung up on me, and he said, just chill, David. And I'm like, what? I just want to celebrate with you, man. So, exciting, exciting news. Uh, And I'd love to welcome up Dave and Sandy. Um, Dave and Sandy Hanke, we have something coming up here that we are really excited about. It's called Triple Treat. And it's a uh, Halloween fall event that we put on for our community every year. And and it's a a phenomenal um, expression of love and care and grace towards our community. And historically, when I arrived, I mean, this this was a ton of fun. Historically, I think we packed, I don't know, 1,300 people in the high school gym. And uh, Hillcrest got to in the Oregon high school gym. So we had a consolidated, centralized location where we just got to put on an event for the community. And then God in his infinite wisdom uh, brought COVID. And so we, in one of the small things that we did was we pivoted around Triple Treat. And so rather than doing a a centralized location, we instead became more neighborhood focused. And we had 17 stations scattered all across uh, Oregon. And so despite the horrific weather last year, still had 750, 800 people show up to uh, just have a demonstration of God's love and grace through the Hillcrest community. And uh, one, of, uh, one of the parents on, our, on my son's soccer team said, oh man, yeah, you guys are the church that does that Halloween event. We don't go to Hillcrest, but we still go to the event. Is that okay? I'm like, yes, that is more than okay. Just an expression of love. And so the Hankies were one of those sites last year. And so I wanted you guys to hear just a little bit of what that experience was like from your guys' vantage point. So before we go there, though, Dave, Sandy, why don't you just tell us who you are and your connection around here at Hillcrest? I'm Dave Hankey, and we came here years ago to go to Awana, take our kids to Awana. And that was a great
1: experience. And a few years ago, we wanted a, a church for our kids to come to and came back. Um,
0: Hmm. It's cool, very cool. And so, Sandy, as you remember, last year's Triple Treat hosting one of these sites in the torrential downpour, what what was that like, and how did you pivot, and maybe what was some of the creativity you infused into the site you guys hosted? Well, I would say the planning committee for Triple Treat was amazing. So Hmm. we knew that other stuff was happening besides outside of our house, but we opted to throw um, canopies up and a bonfire and chili and just welcome whatever weather and people showed up. Uh, Because in Wisconsin, we just understand 72 and sunny or downpour, that's just life in Wisconsin. You ride the weather. Life in Halloween. That's it, around this time of year. And, And Dave, for you, you guys actually made crafts at your station. What was that like and what's been the residual impact even a year later? So we they we did something called ghost launchers, which was a Dixie cup
1: with a balloon on the bottom, and uh, and then people put little eyes on them, and they put these uh, I don't know what you call them, kush balls pom-poms. in there, pom poms,
0: and they got everywhere, you know. <laughs> and so uh, a year later, we still find some occasionally, and uh, the little eyes are still they're still in the door of the garage, so. It's it's a reminder of the fun we had. Come on, and the fun and God's faithfulness even through this event. That this was more than just an event, but actually a visible expression of Hillcrest wanting to love our community. So would you pray for this event and the candy that we will as a community provide and and for the lives that will continue to be impacted through this event? Would you be willing to pray for that? Thank you, Um, Sandy. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, Hillcrest. Thank you for those that have started planning Triple Treat. Open up people's hearts Hmm. to host sites throughout our entire community. And please uh, bring those community members um, throughout Oregon um, to see the love of Jesus through our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Sandy. May I grab one of those? Awesome. Thank you. May I ask the triple treat is is a pretty exciting thing. And, and, uh, and also, at our annual meeting, we talked about a few initiatives, one that's coming up. Uh, what we are committed to around here that, that we believe we're joining god in this beautiful journey called life and we want to inspire multi-generational communities towards a lifetime uh, of these three lifestyles of these relationships life with jesus of following him life with other believers and, and then life of seeking transformation in those that have yet to treasure christ and so as we look around a few weeks ago we got to see about 80 kids that show up here every sunday weekend week out and, and so one of the things we began exploring is not, not creating a need, but actually trying to meet a need. How, how do we actually step in to that opportunity of modeling and giving away our big faith to, to future generations, believing there are some challenges they face every single day? And so we began exploring building God's way and partnering with an organization to help us create a space, a, a better, more conducive discipleship environments for kids. But inevitably, what happens when you start talking about buildings It is, is you start feeling like you focus on the vessel rather than the treasure. And so I love this quote from Dallas Willard. He says this, the problem comes when we mistake the vessel for the treasure, for the treasure is the life and power of Jesus. And so we're under no guise that a building somehow is the treasure, And so even as we enter into this conversation, they're going to be coming on site, Building God's Way is going to come and do a, they call it a charrette, just an accelerated uh, design process with us at the end of November. And that doesn't mean we actually do what they recommend, right? It could, it's ultimately trying to decide what we believe is best. But inevitably, when you start talking about buildings, what happens? (laughs) You start focusing on the vessel. And and so for us around here, the commitment is always, we, we don't think we're, creating a need, we're meeting a need, and we see these lives that God has chosen to bring around Hillcrest at this time, we actually get to be a part of investing in their lives for future future generations and the gospel movement in years ahead. And so you guys can be thinking and praying just about what that process is going to continue to unfold. We'll continue to keep you posted, but we're at a beautiful place, right? We're debt-free. And so we get to be at a space to explore what this could look like. So as we jump in, the other question that, that i'd love to ask uh, I, i've been asking you guys to have this everyday meeting with the king now don't get stuck in the rules but i'm going to ask if maybe god's been prompting your heart i'm going to ask you guys in a second to maybe share that if you're comfortable uh but asking to have this everyday meeting with the king to actually set our alarms to sometime during the day i recommended 104 as a reflection of luke 1:4. To say, God, what are, you, what are you inviting me into today? Believing that God is actively at work in our everyday circumstances. God, what are you inviting me into? And so if you're willing, um, has God been doing something in your heart that you might be willing to share uh, with us as a reflection of praying that prayer? Neil or I could throw it to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh,
0: you've been praying this prayer.
2: I have, yeah, and actually before that became kind of a, a punchline, so to speak, over the last few weeks. Uh, just, huh. just think about that each day. Lord, open a door you want me to walk through. Just I don't know what that is, and it, it doesn't always happen, but um, recently I was, uh, I was at work very early in the morning, and one of my coworkers came in and totally unexpected. He mentioned something as we were just kind of talking. He, he said something about church and uh, didn't really know much about his background. I, I've known him for a while, but uh, we haven't really had a chance to have that conversation. The, off the office was empty. It was just the two of us. And he, uh, he all of a sudden just really opened up and just talked about the struggle that he's having right now, him and his wife, trying to find uh, the right church home. And they're in a part, uh, they're kind of outside the city. Um, they live in a small community uh, in the Portage area, and so they're, they're looking for their, their church home. and They've looked around, and, and it just there hasn't been a fit yet, and it just gave us a chance to really talk and help me understand kind of where he's at. and mm. We had a pretty deep conversation about following Jesus, and, and that's what he's looking to do. He just wants to find a, a Bible-believing church where they can fit into the community. You know, of course, I think a Hillcrest right away, but unfortunately for them, it's, it's kind of a far drive to make that, uh, that commitment. Every week, but at the same time, uh, have been able to be able to talk to him about that a little bit more. So Mm. that was the door Jesus opened for me is uh, is being able to connect with a coworker that uh, you know we're both believers, and it's good to have uh, have people around you that you know in your uh, day to day environment that are also believers.
0: Mm. Come on, Neil, to pray, to watch, and then actually step into gospel opportunities that actually increases your certainty as you share with someone. Looking for more certainty in Christ. Hey, there's a, there's a, if, if you haven't picked one up, if you're wondering where do you write notes in now, I would encourage you buy one of these. It's just a, a Luke journal Bible and uh, just provides space to write notes on the side. That's for you, Neil. Thank you for being willing to come up. We sing songs, we preach a sermon, we tell stories of life in the body. I, I don't want to miss if someone else is was prompted, just uh, what God might be doing in your heart uh, through, through praying. God, what are you inviting me into today? Monica, and this might feel a little unprecedented. We don't do this very often, right? But yeah, hey, Monica, you might need to fight Neil unless you're willing to take take uh, a used copy.
1: Um, I just wanted to share with you. Um, I don't. I'm not praying at one o four that one oh four time <laughs> just isn't useful for me at that moment. I'm with two-year-olds, and that's chaos time. But, mm. um, but I get up every morning, and I'm kind of like Neil, asking that question. Like, God, what do you have for me today? So after I've like been in the Word and I'm in prayer, I'm just calling out for him to show me a way. And I work with all unbelievers right now. And, but yet, as I've been praying that prayer lately, out of the blue, like even at moments that are kinda chaotic, these women are just like coming up to me and pouring out their hearts. And so just making the relationships like you're telling Uh, us to do uh, has been happening. And so I'm just excited for the place I'm in. I'm excited to go to work every day and just excited to dig into God's word to see what he has for me so that I can impact those around me.
0: Mm. Living life as an everyday missionary and doing for one. Hey, Monica, hang on one second here, used copy. I don't think I've written too much in there. You'll be okay. You don't want this one? No, I'm good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Living life as an everyday missionary. Thanks, Monica. Uh, Do for one what you wish you could do for many, right? And I, I imagine you guys are experiencing stories similar. Uh, what does it mean to help uh, people find life with Jesus one life at a time? And so we're gonna look at Mary's story and Mary is gonna go talk to Elizabeth and then she's going to declare this Magnificat. But, but I want to just pause there for a second because so often when we hear this story, we hear it around Christmas time. <laughs> and, and, it, and it becomes this Hallmark-esque kind of Christmas pulp nostalgia Uh, soft lighting, quiet voices, kind of elevator music behind you. And what I hope we do today is rip this story out of just hearing it in the Christmas context so that we can feel more fully the weight of what Luke is trying to tell us by inviting us into Mary's story and then Mary's declaration in the Magnificat. So here we go in Luke 1, 39 to 56. Here's what Luke records. And Mary said, Behold... I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in those days, Mary arose and went in haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. but I wanna sit in this interaction with Elizabeth and Mary to feel the weight of what is actually taking place in this interaction and then see the overflow of what Mary declares because here's what it seems is going on, so test this. But we're asking why does Luke include this little interaction with Elizabeth following Gabriel, the angel, Declaring this truth for Mary, and I think what we see is Mary Mary immediately goes to visit Elizabeth and receives this life-transforming, this transforming encouragement that maybe isn't so different from where we find ourselves in our everyday circumstance. So here's where we begin. Mary trustingly accepts God's plan for her life. Here's how Luke records that. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's this costly yes. That Mary, understanding what's about to happen, Fred shared last week, it's this costly yes that Mary is agreeing to. And she understands a little bit of the complexity of what's going to happen because now everyone around her is going to consider her an adulterer. Everyone around her now is going to say for the rest of her life, we understand how biology works and the way you got pregnant. Yeah, you could talk about an angel, but we understand. And so for the rest of her life perceived as an adulterer, that there's this ostracized from community that she's going to start experiencing. And she gives this costly yes. Yes, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. But, but what might be going on in her heart is, ah, I trust but God, why have you chosen me? She's going to declare in that song, and we saw last week Fred share in her heart. She says she was greatly troubled at this saying. Why? What, what was troubling her? She's a nobody from nowhere that God is now bestowing on her the privilege of being the, the mother of the Messiah. And she's going, what, well, why me? What, what is it about me? Because I'm, I'm nobody. I'm a, I'm a nobody from nowhere. And then we see that costly. Yes, yeah, she trusted Different from Zechariah, Zechariah's turned mute, we see the trust, and yet she still is, is wondering, but how, how is this going to be? There's still a trust she gives, but she asks, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I mean, I, I can think of circumstances in our life where, where we believe, God, you are at work, <laughs> but I'm not fully seeing how you're going to make this work. I feel sometimes overwhelmed by my circumstances and I want to trust the who, but the how doesn't feel as clear. And we don't think it's illegitimate to ask questions, to say, God, how are you going to make this happen? Staying curious and and trying to wrestle through the realities of life. And then we see she does say, okay, behold, let it be to me your servant as unto the Lord. And she gives that costly yes, and yet I can't help but feel test this, that she's going, okay, but but what am I going to tell Joseph? <laughs> what am I going to tell the neighbors when they ask about what's going on? Because they're going to have a certain view of me. Well, what am I going to tell my parents? A- and these questions are racing around in her mind. Sometimes Catholics, they venerate Mary so high, they make her so untouchable. Some even claim sinless, and I go, they've removed her from just what it appears Luke is recording that she's wrestling, and then what does she do? Here's what Luke records. And behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed for her. And then what does she do? Luke records. Elizabeth encourages Mary. Of all the things, he didn't just go immediately to the Magnificat. When we rip this out of Christmas, we start to feel just the ordinary, every beginnings of the gospel movement. And Elizabeth encourages Mary. Here's what he says. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. So this is about an 80 to 100 mile journey for Mary to take. (laughs) I mean, man, at 15, hoofing it, 80 miles. I mean, I don't even like to go a mile. I mean, I'm like... That sounds exhausting. So what's going on in her heart? With haste, she goes. And then we see how Elizabeth interacts with Mary. So Mary goes. Why? So test this, right? Wrestle with this with me. But I think she's going to seek help. She's trying to understand. I just got this announcement from an angel. And yet, Luke records it's an interaction with an individual that now she's going to process with. And then... Luke tells us, Gabriel informs her, that they have a shared experience. Chapter one, verse 35 and 36. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. So the shared experience leads her and prompts her, I need to go talk to Elizabeth about what's going on in my life. And then she hears an affirming perspective. Because listen to how we see the dialogue or the interaction go. Here's what Elizabeth does. Mary is greeted and greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken from the Lord. Of the interaction, who do we hear from most? Who's giving the affirming perspective? Luke records Elizabeth affirming from the moment Mary walks into the door about what is taking place. Luke records Elizabeth being the one overwhelmed and even John in her womb leaping with joy. There's this greeting that exudes from Elizabeth. And I love the encouragement. She shares encouraging ideas, but they're not new. Elizabeth had just heard from an angel and she goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth then shares encouraging ideas, but they're not new. Here's what she says. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? To whom is Elizabeth referring? Mary, and specifically, who does she refer to as Lord? Ah, this baby in Mary's tummy. Again, and a side note for me, I just think God's cosmic plan being put on the backs of two unborn babies, right? I mean, just think about that for a second. God's sovereign plan being worked out through unborn babies. That just wrecks me. Where else has Luke used the word Lord and to whom has he been referring? And this is the audience participation point of the morning. You guys are like, oh dear Jesus, he's not gonna call on me, is he? Most likely not. So, <laughs> who, who's, who is it? To whom has he been referring when he uses the word Lord in chapters one and two? He's used it 25 times. God. The invisible, divine sovereign being is referred to as Lord. And now Elizabeth giving encouraging and yet not new ideas, because Mary had just heard it from Gabriel. What's the word? What's the declaration? The mother of my Lord. Jesus, that baby in your tummy, is the visible experience of that invisible being. You know, as Christians, we believe in these crazy ideas. I mean, just try and wrap your head around that for a second. That God became man and dwelt among us, the mother of my Lord. So Luke's including that detail, I think, because Elizabeth recognizes she's giving affirming encouragement, not new ideas. Mary had just heard it. But where does Mary get encouraged? Don't miss this. How does Mary get encouraged? She just heard from an angel. Who does Mary get encouraged by? Another person. I think sometimes when we build community, we think we just attend and it happens. This idea of disciple making is a beautiful, rich process where you don't just attend, you actually strive to meet together. Where we grow together in love and ongoing spiritual transformation, life in the text, life in community and inevitably It's a team sport, life on mission. Don't miss this, God uses Elizabeth to confirm what he shared with Mary. When you walk through life, do you feel like there's things that challenge you and you start to just overthink things in your mind? You you just get caught up in your head of all the things swirling around in your head and you go, God, how are you gonna make this work? You, you, feel, you feel you trust the who, but sometimes you look at the how and go, I don't understand. Maybe something in your marriage, you're trying to solve this thing in your marriage and, and, you, and, you're, and you're just trying to figure it out. Maybe a relationship with one of your kids, you're trying to figure out, God, what are you, what are you doing in all these circumstances? I trust you, but I'm just having a hard time seeing it. Maybe, maybe a vocation, maybe with your job and you're, you're just feeling stuck in your job and you're not sure if it's where you're supposed to be. Do you guys think that some, from time to time, I might wrestle and get discouraged from time to time? So I remember back in California, there was a friend of mine named Carl Galloway. And I would sit with him and, and, and wrestle through ideas and, and share about the joy in Christ. And, and every once in a while, I'd sit there and I'd talk to Carl and, and I'd say, man, Carl, I just don't get this, man. I, I'm wrestling and, and, and this spiritual growth is a lot slower than I'd like it to be in my life. And, and, I, and I'm just having a hard time seeing, oh, God, God, where are you in these circumstances in my life? And Carl, sweet Carl, would always just come alongside me. Not new ideas. But remind me of the realities that I do claim to believe in. It is about a who, trusting the who, even though I don't always see the how. There's a lady around here, Shannon Davis, who's battling cancer right now. And in my feeble attempt to try and encourage her, I call her up from time to time. And inevitably what happens is, in my desire to try and say something meaningful to her, she actually ends up overwhelming me with her trust in the who and encouraging my faith and my life. I think this is the way God designed life to work, that we need people. Mary just saw an angel, and yet what does Luke record? She goes and sees Elizabeth to process and sort out the who and how God is at work. And then, and then, out of that, Mary declares this profound song, producing this celebration. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, receives transforming encouragement, producing a celebration of god from deep within of the advancement of god's kingdom here's what mary declares and we're trying to rip this out of christmas right so instead of seeing soft lighting and elevator music playing in the background how might you now hear mary's song declaring what god has done for her here's what she says and mary said my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, declaring what God has done. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then what's that last line? And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Sometimes it feels like in our head when we read these stories, we feel like we're watching high school musical or something and and suddenly when an action point happens, everyone just bursts in a song with unbelievable choreography, right? Instead, what seems to be a normal occurrence in life is that through our interactions with others, we can then three months later declare some of these realities after we process them. Not an instantaneous, boom, let me sing songs with a choreographed nice little number, but instead, just the way God works, processing through the circumstances of life. So what does Mary do? She trustingly accepts God's plan, She receives encouragement from Elizabeth, and then she enthusiastically praises God. And what's contained in the Magnificat, I think, are these three ideas. That she sees God is too good to her. And God is too good to all who trust him. And God continues to remain faithful to Israel. Do we feel the weight of that sometimes? Do we feel our experiences and go man, God, you're so lucky to have me on your team. (laughs) Or God, you're not that good because look at my circumstances. If you were really good, they would be better. (laughs) Instead, Mary declares how good God is to her. Here's what she says. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. It makes God big. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on a nobody from nowhere, on the humble estate of his servant, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Don't miss this. What kind of blessing is that? Does she somehow win the heavenly lotto and now she's got health, wealth, and prosperity? (laughs) Or is her life actually going to be really challenging? (laughs) And yet, she declares after interacting of the goodness of God with Elizabeth, how blessed is she that God has shown her favor she didn't deserve? and god did what only he could do the impossible i wonder sometimes <laughs> when we look at our circumstances do we say god i can't believe i'm up for another breath of air that you are so good to me that i could take another breath in this life god thank you for the job the family i have whatever the circumstances are god you are at work and i'm so thankful you were too good does it feel like i say the same sermon every single week At the end of the day, God, we want to trust that you, the who, without always having confidence on the how. And then she continues, God is good to those who trust him. Here's what she says. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And then I'm wrecked by what she's about to share. And the way she phrases it for me is is interesting She says this, he humbles all those who are unresponsive to him. He lifts up those in need who turn to him and God is full of mercy and always keeps his promises. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has set away empty. When you read that in English, he has, what does that usually refer to? No trick questions in English. (laughs) I I did not like English class, right? We've talked about this. English was all about reading and grammar. And if you were here three years ago when I did my candidating sermon and gave a doctrinal statement, I remember someone came up and said, David, do you see how many grammatical errors are in your document that you provided? Yeah, (laughs) it's not my strength. And yet, I believe God wrote a book, right? So we work hard. He has. In English, what is that? Past tense. So we don't do this very often. But, but in wrestling, in Greek, there's this tense called aorist. And I don't like doing this, right? It just feels like it's sometimes the Bible is so inaccessible where I think it's incredibly accessible. He has, in aorist, has a few different possibilities. He has, just like English, we could see it as past tense. Now, is that true? God has done these things. That's true. Another way to read it, future, he has, but anticipating what he will ultimately do, you could read that and make it exclusively spiritual of what he's ultimately gonna do. He has shown strength with his arm. At his second coming, that will be accomplished. And there's a few other interpretations, but here's one more. You could read it as he has, as in he's about to the inauguration of the king. Because the king has arrived, he is about to. What Mary is declaring, so test this, right? Test this stuff, but he's about to do these things. Because here's what it feels like in Western evangelical culture. On one extreme, we just over-spiritualize everything. We make it exclusively about sin and death. And now here, is it about sin and death? Yes, there is a spiritual battle. These are spiritual realities, but we almost, we we do our private devotional times isolated from the rest of the world. We We have these little spiritual moments. And on the other extreme, feminist liberal theologians make it exclusively physical and they only make it about mercy and justice ministries and they make it only about physical stuff at the discount of saying you know you're you're in an irreconcilable relationship with god because you've sinned right they discount that and they make it exclusively physical about the monday to saturday what it seems is that interpretation of inauguration the king has arrived and he's gonna show strength with his arm it's spiritual and physical because who were the people that opposed jesus when he arrived pharisees that those that had something to lose the self-sufficient those that didn't need a savior were the ones that rejected jesus the most the ones that saw him as a threat to say he's coming in and i have to give up something that i have that sounds like a horrible idea he's shown strength with his arm He's brought down the mighty, he has filled the hungry with good things. Jesus ushers in, it's about a king forming a people under his rule and reign, and those (laughs) self-sufficient have something to lose. Instead, Mary, the nobody from nowhere, recognizes the incredible mercy she's been shown. I often wonder, do we in the Western evangelical church recognize the incredible mercy we've been shown and operate in a way that reflects that conviction? that we too would declare a song like Mary. And then I love where her song ends. God is too good to Israel. (laughs) Sometimes we think God's forgotten about something. Instead, he has this long view and Mary recognizes that. He has helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of what? Ugh. It's the humble that enter the kingdom, right? The self-sufficient, the self-righteous, we're gonna see in Luke, those are the people that Jesus gets after. He helped his servant in Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham's his offspring forever. And Mary remained about three months and returned home. So I wonder for us, when we have this everyday meeting with the king, you heard, and I love this, impromptu, Neil and Monica declare, It's not just a private devotion in my life, (laughs) right? The everyday meeting with the king is also not independent from a spiritual reality and just over here just fixing social needs. It's actually this beautiful interplay of, God, what are you inviting me into as you bring your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're seeing Jesus, King Jesus, continue to usher in his kingdom. This upside down counterintuitive kingdom, what would be our song that you'd sing? Declaring what God has done in and through your life. What would that be? I hope we see Seeking Transformation as this team sport that as you sing a song, not maybe choreographed and and high school musical-esque, but what would you be declaring about God and his work in and through your life that you actually get to share with the Elizabeths in your world? I think that's what Luke's trying to point out. There was an angel that declared these realities to, Elizabeth, or to Mary. Then what did she do? <laughs> she talked about it with a close friend, relative, cousin. We all need encouragement from others. I need people in my life reminding me. It's about the who. Sometimes I can't always see the how, but I need encouragement from others. And god is good in providing encouragers sometimes i get caught up and lost in my own head just all the thoughts swirling around what do we do in that moment here's my hope if we need encouragement seek it sometimes we sit back and go why i need encouragement no one's coming to me how do we know if you need encouragement Man, i'm trying to trust god and his promises and i believe they're true what did mary do (laughs) did she wait for elizabeth to come (laughs) 80 miles she hoofed it man she wanted to figure out i believe the promises of god are true god i trust the who but sometimes i'm I'm getting lost in the fog of of the vocation that i've chosen and i'm not sure the the relationship with my kids is strained i'm just not sure (laughs) I need someone in my life to help me process, God, you are faithful. Not to complain to, not to have a gripe session and gossip with, but actually to seek the who and trust the who. And so here's the reality I hope we feel. We actually get to be that. We actually get to be those encouragers in people's lives, navigating the circumstances in life with them. So I'm going to invite the worship team up because that's what we hear. Certain, certain celebration. Because of the increased certainty in who Jesus is, we see it proclaimed in song, in victory of what God is ushering in and continues to do in our Monday to Saturday. So pray with me as we continue in worship. God, you are so good. Oh, We are in awe of of the work you do all around us, and sometimes we need those encouragers in our life. We get lost in the circumstances. Continue to reveal who those people are and help us uh, rip this story out of the Christmas Hallmark-esque and feel the weight of you bringing your kingdom. Always for your glory we pray. Amen.